this time Blood flows like wine Santa's committing violent crime With heads on the fire And limbs on the tree We say fuck off to 2020 Hello! You are listening to episode 49 of the Devil Times 5 Horror Podcast. It's coming to the end of December 2020. I'm Cliff and I'm joined by three of my usual little helpers, Luke, Emily and Bryony. Uh, hey. Plus, with Phil still medically indisposed, what better time of year to be joined by an actual elf? It's the producer and star of Sam Ashurst's A Little More Flesh, which came out earlier this month. Please welcome comedian, playwright, clown, Sunday Times Magazine cover star, plus actor, Elf Lyons. Hello. Hello. <laughs> awesome to have you. Ha. We did CJ last month. He's going to be well pissed off. Awesome to have you with us, Elf. Do you want to take the opportunity to do a quick 30 second plug for A Little More Flesh and explain what in the name of Father Christmas it is? So... Uh, a Little More Flesh is a film that I went and gone and made with Sam Ashurst, who is a very lovely man who ended up sort of being adopted by my parents for the whole duration of the film. And it was sort of improvised effectively. We just, over the period of three weeks, he filmed on his iPhone and created a film, a horror film, which also has a secret shot of my nanny Squeak in it because she wanted to be in the horror film. And it is, it's like a director's cut Effectively, it's the director's commentary of a very shocking film from the 70s, which when you're watching it, it's like the worst badly made erotic drama (laughs) ever. And it's his analysis and commentary that sort of reveals a significantly darker undertaking. And there's also a ghost or ghosts and my grandmother (laughs) and it is yeah and it's got a a really it's got a really horrible final five minutes which i am very proud of in the fact that i was one that came up with the idea and said this is how we've got to do it (laughs) and it is my pride and joy and yes so that's a little more flesh amazing yeah i wasn't expecting it to be a comedy um which I think it is mainly because of Sam, the way Sam's written his director's commentary, his monologue. And it was all shot on your parents' farm, was it then? Um, all very sort of dilapidated countryside areas that were run down. We sort of had free reign. Effectively, Sam just lived in my in my mum and dad's house. He Amazing. just lived with us for three weeks. And that's what happened. Yeah, It's really good. And it's on um, Troma, uh, Troma's website. You can stream it from there. It's great. It is. Yeah. Uh, a Little More Flesh is definitely one of my highs from this month's horror viewing. Uh, let's see about the rest of you. Highs and lows, starting with Emily. Um, I'm going to go for, as I've done in the past couple of months, I'm going to go for two highs just because... Well, actually, it's not It's not really fair to call them highlights, as I think I've said before, they're two medium lights. Yeah. Um, so the first one is Creepshow Holiday Special. That's basically a sitcom about shapeshifters, which I think I might have enjoyed because it reminded me of what we do in The Shadows. And it's your classic creep show thing where the bits where the budget won't stretch, you've got some nice um, comic book animation to cover exploding churches, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other one is a Belgian horror film from a couple of years ago called Cub. Um, oh, yeah. Where the Boy Scouts go on a camping trip in the woods and a lot of weird folk horror shit goes down. Um, mm. Yeah, quite liked it. Uh, Lake? My high... Well, it's not really... Like, I enjoyed it, but it's not like one that I think's incredible. It's a film called Night Shot. 
which is a, a French found footage film um, about these people going into this abandoned hospital, a thing that we've seen so many times before, but it's all done in one shot. So it's really interesting to see that because I'd seen some other films that were all one shot, but you could tell there were little edits. But with this one, yeah. there's only really um, sound effects added, a bit of like music and sort of them changing the colours of the footage at points, but you can, can't see any cuts. It's quite creepy at points where the camera guy keeps turning into rooms and you think something's going to happen, but most of the film is sort of not knowing what's going to happen until the last half an hour being quite suspenseful. The best single shot film I've ever seen is, have you seen PVC1? No. It's this uh, South American thing about this woman who gets a, a pipe bomb strapped to her neck by gangsters or whatever, and she has to travel cross-country on foot to get help. And it's all done in one shot from the moment you join these gangsters, head into their house, to the moment that she either gets help or doesn't, no spoilers. Um, it, and it travels so much distance, like miles and miles. It's a real cross-country thing. It's incredible. Okay, yeah, I haven't seen that one. Uh, my low is Songbird, the... um. <laughs> Oh yeah, the Michael Bay, the, the COVID movie. Um, oh set God, for, set four we years, need one of those. Still <laughs> released in cinemas on the 11th of December while they were still open for that little uh, bit of time. I want to watch films to sort of escape what's going on in the real world, and this one is four years into the future, and it's meant to be that now it's called COVID um, 20. I think it's called COVID 23. Um, this time it gives you a really bad fever and messes up a part of your brain. And every single person has to scan their face every morning. And if they, if it says they have the virus, then people come around to the house and take them away and take them to a camp. Um, That's so fucking tacky. It's just, mm. it's just, a, it's like so tone deaf. The whole film is just really depressing, and it feels like a weird mashup of that grimy look that The Purge always had, all the Purge films. And it's just, it's just Michael Bay jumping on this. It doesn't really have much of a plot. Do you reckon they've uh, they've jumped on that because everyone watched um, Contagion? Like in the mm. first week of lockdown, everyone went mm. fucking mad for that. So they're like, "Oh, I know." Yeah, I think it was Contagion and and Virus were the two mm. that everyone watched. But mm. those were made when there wasn't a big yeah. pandemic happening. Mm. Now they've been like, "Oh, let's try and cash in on this," and it just yeah. is horrendous. Better or worse than Corona Zombies? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's almost as bad. I was like drained by it. Uh, Bryony. Oh god, uh, oldies. I mean, I watched you know the the classics, uh, Gremlins, Home Alone two, uh, but I watched um, Antiviral, which I've been meaning to oh, watch yeah. for fucking ages because I haven't watched Possessor yet, so don't talk to me about that. Um, but I really, really enjoyed Antiviral. It was weird. It was you know beautiful, horrible, quite disgusting. Again, it's about you know infections and stuff, so it felt apt for the time. Because I, I really want to get into Possessor. I will watch it at some point, but I thought I'd uh, familiarise myself with uh, the director's oeuvre. Uh, <laughs> his one, his one, his the other one, half of his egg, yeah. It's the kind of oeuvre I like when it's like two, because, you know, I'm a busy woman. It's um, a manageable oeuvre. It's a manageable oeuvre. And um, do you know what? Because uh, have you heard of books? You know, uh, books? I remember right. them vaguely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're like films, but in your head. Um, it's, it's quite good so cause I, I reread um, World War Z which is fucking brilliant it's a really brilliant book and then I watched the film and I was like what a pile of shit and I've seen yeah. the film before and I watched it for that kind of like just numb you know everything's going wrong let's watch Brad Pitt go ah, I'm gonna chop your arm off um, kind of film and then um, it's, it's I don't really have a low unfortunately other than World War Z I guess but it led me to read more uh, Max Brooks released a book this year um, called Devolution and it's essentially uh, another horror book, but uh, it's, it's Bigfoot. 
Uh, it's fucking brilliant. Didn't put it down. So um, books are good, aren't they? Uh, I did watch films, but I, I really wanted to talk about Devolution. It was it was uh, originally a screenplay that he did sell to a studio, who then sold it back to him so he could write the book. And it reads like a screenplay. Yeah, like, which is... do it properly with words to the pictures. Yeah, yeah. That's what happened with the girl with all the gifts, isn't it? He wrote it yeah. with the intention of it being made into a film, which is interesting because when you read the book, I found the girl with all the gifts a really fun book but thinking the ending doesn't really give me any gratification but then when you no. watch it as a film you're like this cinematically and the ending makes perfect sense yeah yeah books are good guys everyone looks really blank <laughs> I've, no i was gonna say i've read books but i've not read any horror ones recently i want to read more horror books i think because i really enjoy devolution world War z girl with all the gifts i've got one by cj actually phil kiss i told him Filth Kiss, yeah, which yeah. I haven't got round to reading yet. I can give you a lot of recommendations because I've yes, read 153 books this year since lockdown because I like books because they are the <laughs> friends that I can bring with me everywhere. Um, but Dan Simmons is a really fantastic horror writer. Yeah. I've heard, who, I've heard that's but he wrote a book for. called The Terror, which it then got made into a TV drama about HMS Terror and HMS Erebus. It was a very famous journey where they all went missing. So they, there was a genuine ship called HMS yeah. Terror. HMS Terror. You wouldn't get on a plane called The Total Nightmare, would you? <laughs> no. <laughs> I kind of would, though. That's just, that's just easy, chat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> enough of your highfalutin books uh, Elf, yeah. your cinematic horror highs and lows of the last month I just was introduced to the Wreck films so Ooh. I just watched them for the first time so the first one blew my mind second one, meh <laughs> but the first one still absolutely smashed it in the dick for me um, <laughs> Scare Me was another film that I really enjoyed which okay. was very simple I found and obviously was clearly limited by budget but I found it was such a strong performance by three really talented comic actors. It's not necessarily scary, but I found what they were doing in this sort of gender play between a man and a woman and this weak-willed, not very hard-working, attempting horror writer feels when this woman is absolutely brilliant at it and quite ruthless in her ability of scaring him with these scariest stories. I think that's a really energetic enjoyable film that's been made uh my high is a uh, brazilian film called baccarau anyone seen that so um... is the tagline yes sir i can boogie <laughs> <laughs> um it starts out as a just kind of like village life drama local politics things like that there's no sign that it's gonna get as gory as it does um and then udo kia turns up and shit gets gory and he's really brilliant in it it's good to see Udo Kier in a big role. And my low, oh no, my low is a film from 2007 called The Period. And it's about a woman who has a period and never stops. And... Hey, is that me? <laughs> that is li- yeah, that is, that is pretty much it's my life right now. It's the film. Yeah, but can you shoot the blood at a life drawing class when you're modelling? Uh, yeah, I've got two art degrees, mate. What else, what did you think I did? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was, it's, it's weird. It's, it's really long and it's quite ambitious. But I, I got the impression that the director didn't know how to make films when he started. By the end of the film, he's got better at it. But the first <laughs> half hour is so, so bad. It just never loses that stink of just being awful. It's certainly interesting, but it's not very good. That's all. Uh, 
Um, right, okay, there are highs and lows. Now, in October this year, we were basic and did Halloween movies. For our December episode, we're being basic again and doing Christmas movies. But it gets them out of the way and we never have to go down such obvious roads again. So here we go with some Christmas carnage. And our first feature is Chris Peckover's 2016 film, Better Watch Out. Want a prettier in the mood? Watch a horror movie. Dude, she's like twice our age. I really don't think it's going to happen. She's here. You are breathtaking. <laughs> Thank you. Now don't stay up and watch scary movies, okay? It'll give you nightmares again. So what do you want to do? Ricky, why can't you just leave me alone? He's such a jerk. Don't hang up on me. What was that? Oh my god. Get away from the window. There's someone there. Ashley! Are you hiding? I'll find you. Don't worry, I'll protect you. Exciting. A young woman's last night in suburbia turns into a violent nightmare thanks to the horniness of the 12 year old boy she's babysitting and an unexpected intruder. Um, Bryony, you picked this, didn't you? I think I did. He's just such a prick, this little kid, isn't he? I love it. Spoilers, we're gonna have to do spoilers to talk about yeah, this film. Yeah. I would say this is one thing anyone listening to this who wants to watch it, do not watch the trailer. I think my oh, yeah, enjoyment... Yeah. Oh, I thought the trailer was really clever. Oh, see, I thought my whole enjoyment of that film was ruined by the trailer because it gives away three deaths yeah. in it through the editing. And I feel like... It's like the trailers of the 70s and 80s. Where have those guys gone? Oh, well, we've got one of them coming up later. Every trailer <laughs> is now like, we're going to tell you everything you need to know, including the final shot of someone safely being in an ambulance, because we want you to know exactly what you're paying your money for. Well, the, the trailers of the, the 70s or 80s are just the ones going, if you don't find this scary, you should see a therapist. <laughs> and that's what I like. <laughs> I like that. I like the gaudy music and just a shot of a woman and her boobs. But the trailer for me let it down because yeah, I found it very enjoyable. I didn't find it scary again because they gave so much away in the trailer. But also, mm. I think it was so brilliantly performed. But I think it narratively didn't really know whose point of view it was really going to come from whether it was going to be her point of view and narrative arc or whether it was going to be the creepy little psychopath i didn't watch the trailer until today when i was uh, preparing for this and i was surprised and i thought it was really clever the way that it makes it look as though it's more of a home alone sort of thing that he's fighting back against the intruders that's what i was expecting when i yeah. first um purchased this movie yeah. I, I thought it'd be like you know Home Alone, but more gory because Home Alone is a disturbing film. I got, and it's also very emotional. I got very wet eyes watching Home Alone too recently. Um, unrelated to horror films, so but yeah, I was expecting you know like oh cool like this this appeals to my most basic bitch needs. It's it's Home Alone, but more blood. Uh, and I liked that it, it was subverted. I liked that. It's interesting how you said it's like Home Alone because. I was reading an article recently about why Home Alone 2 fails as a film in comparison to Home Alone 1. And it's because Shut in Home up. Alone 1, no, but Home Alone 1, all the things the boy does could harm someone. But the worst thing that the man does is like fall down the stairs on some ice. You'd get injured, but you wouldn't actually die, which mm. gives the sort of sense of it's what a child's view of like danger is. Whilst in the second film, all the things the men actually undergo 
would kill you or paralyze you. And so the sort of slapstick nature of it changes. Now I disagree completely because Home Alone 2 gives you the great line of when he falls through the hole and he goes, Woo! What a hole! <laughs> <laughs> I've not seen it. Um, but it's I did really see it. in Home Alone, no. though. Oh, it's brilliant. It's the best one. I did see a re-edited trailer for Home Alone the other day that um, they've added loads of gore effects onto it. So that, <laughs> and then, like, once, they've, once he's killed the first two burglars, their twin brothers come along. And... <laughs> <laughs> nice. I enjoyed Better Watch Out. I think I enjoyed it because of the cast. It sort of jumped the shark for me about three quarters of the way through when are we allowed to give away spoilers yeah 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 yeah, 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 so the moment where the kid in his head thought he was coming across as so rock and roll drinking the champagne saying things like do this do that and then the two elder blokes would be like no we're not gonna do that and this idea of his perception of what was cool and what the reality was where it's sort of at a disconnect and I thought that's a really interesting thing because this kid is clever but he thinks he is so much smarter than he is and you know at the end when he's like oh the pen all this all that and he's getting everything Mm. ready and he goes to bed and you think he's going to get away with it what would have been amazing was if they'd actually showed the police coming in and going None of this makes any sense. It's clearly the and yeah. sort of watching him get unraveled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But the moment when he suddenly manages to trick a strong bloke into effectively giving the impression that he's hung himself seemed so one rhythm too much that I thought there were other more exciting, more nuanced, graphic ways he could have killed that guy without it having to be, oh yeah, I've got a snowmobile and I'm going to tie this up and noose you. That was the one bit I thought, this just seems too many beats off, like timing-wise, noise-wise, and I've sort of lost my belief in him as a mm. as a fully rounded character. One of the frustrating things about it is it does hold back on the, on the graphicness. Like, we're told the guy's head explodes. We don't see it. Mm. That's just so annoying. I mean, it does feel a little bit like it doesn't quite know what kind of movie to be and where to go, whether it was going to go like full on all out gore. But then they were like, yeah, but we've got kids in it. So maybe we shouldn't do that. And oh. yeah, the cast are all um, all very good. But it felt to me like the script could have done with like another couple of drafts or something like that. Yeah, there's bits where like Garrett is conveniently out the room while um, Ashley's trying to cut herself free. And mm. yeah, and, and then there's bits where Garrett and Luke go off and have a chat, a private chat together. But they're like, oh, I can't believe you're smoking weed out here. Is this stage whispering? The audience who'd go and really see that, I think, are like 15, 16 year olds because it's like the right side of gory. It's like it's horror, but it's more like relatable. It's also got an education message about consent and Mm. sexism which they're slowly trying to encourage young men wait a minute this isn't cool so if you'd gone full on gore with his head exploding that immediately makes it an 18 especially with the language of pussy etc which means you completely wipe out an audience that would probably be spending money so i think it was purely a who are we going to get the most amount of money from for this audience we need to keep it at a lower is it pg-13 I don't think it is, is it? It's an R, so that wasn't an issue. It also got one star from Roger Ebert, which just makes me laugh because I'm definitely going to read that now. Surely he was dead by then. Yeah, it wouldn't be Roger Ebert. No, he died years ago. Right <laughs> no, he came back from the gra- he came back from the grave just to He's still doing that, reviews out. via a Ouija board. It takes. I time. think that must be what it is. Yeah. I mean, to clarify, I mean the website, not the actual guy, but yes. The only only thing that explains the reviewers on uh, RogerEbert.com is that they all think that they're channeling him through a Ouija board. Mm. Uh, it's an Australian production. Do you think they get away with pretending it's American? 
sort of, but isn't the guy that gets hung Australian? They're all Australian, apart from the two Pretty parents. much all of them are, yeah. I think, yeah. yeah. I think the only time you can tell it is when Ashley goes, um, you're mental! Which I don't think, <laughs> don't think an American has ever said, even in their own accent. I think the two kids from The Visit are actually good in this. Two kids from The Visit? Oh, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know if they didn't rap. It's the brother and sister from The Visit, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. Yeah. The two main, the, the, um, Garrett oh, what, the, is the, the chubby lads. Are the... Garrett is the kid from, who says ho in, yeah. um, ho. The Visit. And, ho. um, <laughs> Ashley is the sister from The really? Well, they can, they can You're act right, then. it is. So I was actually surprised when Ed Oxenbold was actually doing good acting in this, because I feel like he's the one that does the most sort of serious acting in this. Like, um, Levi Miller, who plays Luke, is actually, I think he's quite, he plays the psycho quite well. Like the whole part where he's dancing around with a baseball bat is actually yeah. like, there's those little bits, and I do actually I do like the um the paint tin scene because they they speak about it for so long right from the start yeah about the Home Alone mm. paint tin because there's there's always been oh is that what they were referring to yeah because yeah. there's, there's the whole conspiracy online it's been like that for a long time there's always been that so. I think someone must have seen that and thought, let's actually put it into the film. Oh, I, I'm totally Home Alone ignorant. I quite like that bit because it's just so silly. So when I when I watch Home Alone now, I do always think to this scene and this when they're getting hit by the paintings. That's fucking awesome. I don't know. It's just a good romp. But does it have anything whatsoever to do with Christmas? Yeah, it's um, at Christmas. It's like it's a, little, it's a little Christmas tree. She gets um, wrapped in fairy lights. First of many uses of Carol of the Bells, sounding sinister and creepy. Oh, is that that one that goes, uh, you are a cunt, you are yeah. a cunt, you are a cunt, you are a cunt. Yeah. 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 I've got sorry licks for all the carols. Did you know that you're a cunt? You are a cunt, you are a cunt, whoa, what's a cunt? It also works if you sing, the, here come the bells, those fucking bells. Oh, <laughs> Elf, this is it every every month. There's, there's lots of singing and swearing and... <laughs> Just horrible. Sorry. No, don't worry. I knew this was rated R. It's X, actually. I feel like if we'd been like 15, 16 years old and we'd all gone to see this, we would have been like, yeah, that was really fun. Really good actors. There's some interesting stuff. I think it was really promising. Like the fact that the whole narrative is held by those two performances by... um, The kids from The Visit. I do think they are incredibly talented. And I felt like although there were moments dramaturgically that were problematic, I actually found the way she handled him as a babysitter really on point i actually thought like the way she dealt with it at the beginning i was like yeah cool just the moment you think there's someone in the house get out of the fucking house don't tell them to go upstairs and then get a knife you're dealing with some really creepy drunk boys on prosecco you've got your car outside (laughs) just leave just that was the only time i thought that's really bad babysitting um also even if they'd taken the wi-fi down you'd still have 4g so there were some things in my head i'm like What's going on here, people? It's very true. Yeah, I just wanted him to get really fucked over at the end. Yeah, yeah whereas it, at the end it does, like, you're supposed to get excited about, oh, is he going to make it into his bedroom in time and learn without giving himself away? Yeah, um, I get what you mean with that. They could have done something quite powerful with that, given uh, the state of the, the consent in the US at the time it was made and released. Because um, what's that little shit's name who rape the lady yeah I know you swimming mean. kids Bron- and it's Brindon, the entitlement Bron- and like Brondon, he's from a good Brondon or something Brondon Brondon cunt face and it's yeah. like Brondon, the entitlement Brondon. and Brondon Brondon of the Brondon family you know the Brondons the Brondons uh, was yeah. five generations of Brondon, Brondons Brondon Junior the third they go all the way back to the Brondons of the oldness and uh, mm. you know the, the state of entitlement in, in the US and this entitlement of like 
young men who are from like good families and they've got all this money behind them. look at the house it's a fucking nice house and uh you know he can he's a psycho you know he's, he's not quite uh brondon brondon rapist territory but <laughs> uh, he's 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 a little psychopath isn't he so they could have made such a really good comment with that there's a lot more they could have pushed with this like in some ways the whole film is a form of rape like the rape he does upon her like he literally stabs her with a large phallic shaped implement a knife mm. and like everything about it is taking away any of her agency mm. but i wonder whether like it goes from a very different type of film if you go from oh yeah i'm gonna kill the men around you in order to prove my love and then kill you to oh i'm actually gonna also do something mm. significantly more triggering they, for an audience that might they, even they hint towards it they do hint towards it i think but they never quite they don't quite have the they don't have the balls to rape uh which is a sentence <laughs> i've never thought i'd say as a survivor but it's like you know it's 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 something that it's a conversation that needs to be had, and uh, and I, I think that's why I liked it because it's this little entitled little shit, and you know when he gets a bit of comeuppance, it's really satisfying. Um, but that's maybe because I work with children and have, so maybe I just hate posh children. Um, <laughs> who knows? That's, uh, brownie Spanish. leader Brian Evans. <laughs> <laughs> No, mine are lovely. No, 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 no parents and hope listen to this podcast. As we found out when we did our live show. Hey, guys, who's listened to the podcast? Silence. Great. <laughs> All right. Uh, what would Christmas be without Santa Claus? And what would Christmas horror be without evil Santas? Uh, let's start this section with Silent Night, Deadly Night from 1984, uh, which is uh, it's a major classic in the slasher Ooh. To use the word. That's the uh, that's a tool time sound. It was very controversial at the time, and um, I don't know. Is it that good? I think it feels like a load of different films all shunted together, and they didn't know what they wanted to do, and it's a mess. It's, it's it a quite mess, an enjoyable mess. It's a lot of fun. It's completely all over the place. It's wrong in every conceivable way. It doesn't make sense, but it is a lot of fun. It's got evil nuns. It just, I mean. I, I've just I couldn't I couldn't work it out I just I've never seen so many bosoms in one film really like like the amount of bosoms and also just none of it made like in hindsight you're thinking why didn't anyone just chat to him earlier on about the children are the only redeeming feature out of that film and at the same time I wanted all the children to be murdered <laughs> well I mean, it's a really un-cinematic, unkinetic ending because everyone's just sitting down throughout in the entrance lobby of the orphanage for some reason, uh, just basically waiting for someone to turn up and kill them. I swear the record No one stands up at any point. They just all stay sitting down throughout the whole finale. Well, it is Christmas. Maybe they'd had a big lunch. <laughs> not, 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 in panic, not in an orphanage. Not in an orphanage, no. Be gruel. Well, maybe extra gruel on Christmas. It's pronounced Gruel. <laughs> I really like this film. It was so fucking stupid. And it was just those parts that made me cackle. I just found myself laughing every time um, Billy got kind of angry and went, Punish! Punish! <laughs> so yeah, why can he just talk normally and all of a sudden the rest of the film he can only say one word? Why did he get a job in a toy store when he knew Christmas was coming and he knew he was triggered by Santa Claus? He's like, do you know what? I'm, I'm triggered by Santa Claus because it's an incredibly violent, horrible thing that happened. Get a job at a Christmas store. What's the worst that can happen? Happen. It's like watching your mum be stabbed by the Easter Bunny and getting a job in like. Would the Easter Bunny shit. before he stabbed her? Would he get her tits out to have a look? Yeah, of course he Probably. would. Yeah. Probably because they look like two massive eggs. 
<laughs> I, li- I like her left over and her right over. Also, one thing that was really funny is if you watch closely, some of the children that are in the first orphanage sequence are also in the second yeah, orphanage, <laughs> which means some of those kids haven't aged for about 17 years. I think that's the thing that bothered me the most. Um, it's probably a stupid thing to look at, but you got the five-year-old kid at the start and then all of a sudden he goes to eight-year-old and you're like, these kids don't even look similar in the slightest. Yeah, yeah. He has a full-on mullet and this doesn't look like anything like the kid from the start. Then it gets to 18-year-old him and you're like, you don't look anything like your eight-year-old kid. Yeah. Just... And also, I didn't know why it needed to have a three-minute long montage scene of toys getting put on shelves <laughs> with a really nice, happy music put over the top. I was like, this doesn't even feel like the same film. No, exactly. That's what I mean. We just had to keep saying the Star Wars Jabba the Hutt toy on the <laughs> shelf behind them throughout. No, I'm glad it wasn't just me who was staring at the, the toys more yeah, than the film. Yeah, but also bearing in mind that I would have been like six when this film was made, so I just spent a lot of it going, oh, I remember that. And then I was like, yeah. oh, God, I'm old. Well, did you have did you, one of the toys I noticed uh, in the shop? Did you have squirt, squirt, squirt the animals fun in the pool or in the tub? <laughs> Funnily enough, no, I didn't. Very specific video. <laughs> what I want to know is how when he... The, I did think there was a particularly fun death sequence when he lifted the poor lady who... <laughs> was just lying there, doing her own thing, lying on the pool table, waiting for her man to come back. (laughs) Just lying there on the pool table, just having a really nice day. And then this 18-year-old boy, who's literally about five foot six, has the physical ability not just to hang a man using his own arm strength in a space of 10 seconds, which is like a world record beating. He manages to pick her up and impale her on the horns. But what I loved is it looks like they're meant to be coming through the nipples. Yeah, I always thought it did. But it's no, not, because it? when it comes back, it's her boobs balancing on top and the two horns are underneath. So it's like, wow, she had four nipples. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't just need to see boobs. It's when the guy comes in as well. He's like, I'm going to rip off your shirt before I throw yeah. you out the window no, as well. No, he have a shirt off, though. No, he, shirt he, puts a, he puts a oh, shirt on. Oh, he did on. put a shirt on. He put a really good shirt on. It was a really good shirt. Well, on Elf's point about his physical strength, I mean, it is Christmas. Maybe he's uh, trying to get on World's Strongest Man. Oh, maybe, yeah. Yeah. Oh, maybe someone should man. do a horror movie about World's Strongest Man. Yeah, and it, as long as it involves them, like, straining so hard, they have really graphic prolapses and muscles popping out of their skin and stuff like that, I think. Wasn't that already Toxic Avenger? I was thinking more along the lines of, like, the, the heavy cannonballs and things suddenly coming to life and, like, eating their hands and stuff. Oh, yeah, that'd work. It could be called uh, World's Wrongest Man. <laughs> oh, I love it, because he's just so wrong. He's a wrongin'. He's a wrongin'. I would watch The World's Wrongest Man. That was <laughs> I mean, it does sound like a Channel 5 documentary about paedophile just always always no no but it'd be no it'd be a channel 5 documentary but about like a guy like going oh yeah the bus is coming in five minutes it's like oh no you missed it he's like oh not again would there be a round called nonce off (laughs) (laughs) probably want to edit that bit out because i'm doing a pgce i've really got to stop making jokes about nonces but it turns out it is literally my favorite word (laughs) It's a a good word. It is a good word. And I saw some stupid detective show years and years ago where there was one Cockney bloke saying, oh, you don't want to go in prison, mate. It's just full of nonces and ponces. Yeah. And me and my flatmate looked at each other and discovered that you could actually sing that to Brown Girl in the Ring. (laughs) Go on, then. 
Nonces and ponces, tra-la-la-la-la. <laughs> or you can write your own song, just nonces and ponces, nonces and ponces. A cockney knees up. Wasn't that Rosie and Jim? It, it it's was, a significantly yeah. more improved song than Brown Girl in the Ring, which, when you think about that, is one of the most horrific lyrics so, of all yes, time. Yes, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's that A17 song that begins the very first time that I saw your brown eye. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, Christmas Evil's got an evil Santa in it. Um, from 1980. They've all got evil Santas in them. So this is which, the one. Which, which fucking one was this? AKA, you better watch out. He puts on shaven foam at one point and he laughs in the mirror. Yeah. And he stabs like, people I'm outside the town hall. I saw mum doing a sex with a Santa and they were like, yeah, that was that was dad, you fucking idiot. And he was like, yeah. oh shit, I've killed those people for nothing. <laughs> oh, I like this one. It was quite nice. I liked his band. Yeah, I really, really like this film. It's a real sort of strange oddity. It's like a kind of a weird... Um, character piece about this guy who's cracking up in a very kind of specific way and mm. it's it is ridiculous and so on but it's I, I find it quite moving in an odd sort of way i mean it's quite disturbing especially at the beginning where he's all like yay christmas which kids have been naughty and nice and he's yeah. got this book and he's written out in his nice his nice yeah. um, handwriting like one little girl he's written she's just a darling and you're like mm. yeah yeah it does look like it's going to go a very different direction from how it does he really hates that kid that wants just to read yeah. penthouse doesn't he yeah he <laughs> like he's reading at the beginning and he's like all the other kids what do you want for christmas and doesn't the kid say a lifetime a subscription, subscription to, penthouse. to penthouse he's like he cusses and he just talks about boobies yeah because he's, he's got his list and it is things like insolent behavior yeah. inappropriate material and i would love it if christmas eve was like better but like if it was more like yeah, he- yeah, yeah. henry portrait of a serial killer or something as, as character studies of yeah of murderous guys i just find the actor in it just so uncharismatic and oh, i think he's great because yeah. he does feel just like some ordinary weirdo that you're kind of like oh there's that sad man you know and you see someone and you're like oh they're a weirdo but uh, you know what's their story Who's that actor who plays weirdos? Um, he was in Blade Runner and an episode of... Rick Howard? No, no, the one who's like... Harrison Ford? No, not Harrison Ford. He's all like, oh, I make toys. Sean Young. <laughs> Daryl Hannah. No, it's not Daryl Hannah. Um, <laughs> Why has everyone in Blade Runner got a man's name, even if they're a woman? <laughs> misogyny. Um, no, do you know the lad? He's like, he's uh, he's from the south of, of America and he's all like, oh, hello, I'm a strange man. Look at my strange face. That's I have a age. brilliant South. South American accent, Bryony. Um, M M M M M it Walsh. That's a lot yeah. of M's. From my spot-on impression, um, <laughs> but he'd be good playing a sort of creepy Santa because he he plays like creepy dudes quite well. Like in that episode mm. of X Files, he did. Um, he was like he kept going, oh, blurt. No, that's not him. I'll tell you what, do do the impression again. I'll Shazam it. No. <laughs> do it. That would be brilliant. Oh, William Sanderson. That's who you mean, who plays the old man who's made all the toys. Who looks yeah, a lot he makes older all than the, he is. I make all the toys and I'm 105, but I'm only 20. That guy. So he, I think he played. So we've just gone really off topic. Kind of straight from the point. Uh, one more evil Santa, though. Uh, Game Over, a.k.a. Dial Code Santa Claus. The French film from 1989. That everyone says is a precursor to... Home Alone. It's cute. I got bored halfway through, though. Yes. Phil said that he watches some of these films on, like, double speed, um, which makes them more funny. So I was like, well, double speed this. Um, so it's like, Brian, you know, the woman of a thousand voices here. You know, 
I'm a talented lady, what can I say? It doesn't quite work, and I think symptomatic of it not working is that uh, they didn't get to release it till January 1990. Uh, a blatant Christmas film. Didn't manage to put it out till the January. What a cock-up. Yeah, um, oh, I think I might just have a secret fondness for films that don't quite work because I'd not seen this before a couple of weeks ago and I really liked it. I know it's all over the place in so many ways, but I yeah, just thought it was great. Just the whole kind of eightiesness of it and the um, the fact that the evil Santa, you do feel that he is properly evil. He's also a massive pedo. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? Because in one scene, they're on their little French minitel pre-internet thing yeah and he's like Rrr. and he's like i'm gonna gonna fuck some kids but in the next scene he gets fired from his job at the kid's mum's uh, department store as yeah. a as mm. a department store santa so which is it could they just not decide they put both in he's stroking the kid's face going you better be nice you better be nice but that whole like oh, that's so scene. disturbing that yeah scene. it's horrible i assumed that he was just obsessed with the kids like the, the oh, main... i thought he was a right pedo yeah possibly or he's just really, really jealous. But yeah, you, there is the scene at the beginning where all the kids are throwing snowballs and he joins in <laughs> and they're just like, no, le, le nonce, no. No, tu es le nonce. No, pas de nonce. Uh, Elf, I think you can help it. You wouldn't say tu es a nonce, would you? It would be vous êtes a nonce. Ah, yeah, well, yeah, that depends know. if you're being formal. I would argue if you're calling someone a nonce, you're not being formal. So I say you said two être Even if it's an adult and you're a child, that's yeah. just rude. I mean, by that point, if you're using nonce, you definitely don't care about formal or personal. Um, you don't mean to say ça va nonce? Ça va nonce? Ça va bien, merci, et toi? I mean, for my time living in France, I cannot remember these being the normal ways of saying hello to each other, but maybe next time. I've been trying to revitalise my long dormant German language skills by doing Duolingo, and now all I'm thinking of is a sentence that translates as "Do you see the nonce?" C and Z das nonce. <laughs> Do you see the pedo? La, 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 la. No, he's a massive nonce. He's a massive nonce. I thought this was like this. I'm clear. gross nonce. Gross and nonce. He is iron and gross nonce. Uh, gross and yeah. Un, nonce. Un, yeah, I feel like I nonce. Oh wait. Oh, hang on. In French, it's it's funny with the. Hang on. It's un nonce grand. Um, <laughs> no, it's un grand nonce. You have the grand no, no, before. No, you no, know, you put un grand, un nonce grand. You always put grand the... comes before the noun. Oh. What? I've, but what about like when you go out oh, and shout Jean? Yeah, yeah, but, but Grand is, is one of the ones, the ones and Petty. They're, they're the French. two of the French few that come before them. Petty is the right word, Cliftifer. Petty is the right word. Fuck French. La Petit Nonce. That sounds like um, that should be a bit of classical music. La Petit Nonce. <laughs> Surely the film Gigi's about that. <laughs> oh, it is, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. And Pygmalion, maybe. I mean, there's a lot of films, actually, when you really get down to it. Le Petit mm. Nonce could be another interpretation. That's yeah. why I'm no fun at parties. Um... <laughs> Isn't Leon the Professional a bit noncey as well? Oh, oh, more a than a bit, nonce, yeah. yeah. Well, unfortunately, the director's a bit bit of a grand nonce as well. Le Nonce Grand, apparently. <laughs> Cliff, I'm trying really hard to like n- yeah. navigate it back because he definitely was an odds, and yeah, yeah, it was, it yeah. Was, yeah. Um, I don't know. I I quite liked it because it reminded me of um, what's that kid Rambo film? Oh, Son of Rambo. Son of Rambo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It reminded me of that as well. It was strange to be reminded of it because it was actually made in the '80s and this was an actual '80s child, and these were actual props that were actually available at the time. Did you believe in the child at all, though? I mean, he's ten. He could not only drive the family car but repair it. 
get under the yeah. chassis and repair it. I mean, I, I he's just he's just omnipotent. He's like a sort of fantastical kid from a children's book that can do a bit of everything. I would imagine if you actually knew him, he'd be really really annoying. Yeah, but and his house. Why why have they got a trap door in their hallway? And why uh, have they got a maze? I'm sorry. Yeah. who hasn't got a trap door, Cliff? Well, I know. <laughs> don't know about your country estate elf, but uh... I'm sorry. Every every place that I have ever been to has a trapdoor. Like I'm sitting on a trapdoor right now. I used to think there was a well, there was a manhole cover right by our front door, but underneath the um, wooden floor. And I was like, I wonder if there's a cellar down there. I wonder if like the whole cellar that we don't know about. So I had to saw through the nice wooden floor, lift up the wooden floor, open up the, the manhole cellar. Of course, it was the fucking sewer. Oh, no. <laughs> That's a cautionary tale. Yeah, to see little turds going past. When I was a student at Bristol, my friends rented their, for their second year their student flat. And it was just about... By, by this massive roundabout as if you were coming out of the city and they rented it and it's just like normal student house except it had a basement but in the basement was a well and they were like it's still a working well <laughs> but you don't need to use it obviously and they were like we're not going to use it because it was so creepy it was all like completely dark there were lots of murals like sort of mason-esque type of stuff on the wall That's and there was so like cool. what they called you know not the, they're not goblins what they called those things that sit on the end of things gargoyles. gargoyles gargoyles it had a gargoyle on it there was a gargoyle overlooking the well that's amazing that sounds awesome yeah nobody went down there because i think everyone thought it would be jokey to be like oh let's have a party by the well but genuinely none of them went down there they just didn't want to it had a really bad vibe right sticking <laughs> with europe uh, it's the place to be for supernatural sinister santas um so we'll start this section the supernatural bit with saint from the netherlands uh directed by dick mass um <laughs> he's called dick mass yeah the, the oh. director Amazing we wish name. you a merry dickmas <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Emily, you like Saint, don't you? I think I've recommended that we watch it, but I think that was purely because I like the idea. I like the whole Saint Nicholas idea and the sort of concept that every now and then when it's a full moon on the 5th of December, which is Saint Nicholas's night, you get an evil Saint Nicholas and he just comes and fucks everything up. So I like the idea more than the execution. Let's put it that yeah, it's, it's got a similar problem for me as uh, the next film we're going to talk about, Rare Exports, which is it's just a bit childish and fantasy-like and si there's too much CGI. It just mitigates the horror. Saints is really well shot. Dick Mars yeah. knows what he's doing. He knows how to put a scene together and make it look lovely. It's gory. There's some ridiculous CGI gore. There, there is some it. good gore. Yeah, that's the thing I found the most fun about it. The gore. I still find seeing Amsterdam's uh, Black Pete one of the weirdest things ever, and I still can't believe that was a tradition God. until until 2019. I dated a Dutch black guy, uh, and he was like, Black Pete, that motherfucker made my life the worst thing ever. My ass was tightly clenched in case you were going to do his impression of him. No, he had like a strange, like, uh, he's kind of like, American, like this, like, hey... That's my impression of him. But Rare Exports, um, what did you think about that from uh, Finland? I used to really enjoy this one, but it's, I don't know, it's quite tedious. The whole idea of Santa eating kids is like quite interesting. And that scene where all the Santas are getting released from cages and they're chasing after 
um, people. That's quite fun. But the rest of the film, it just feels quite dull. Yeah. When I first saw it, I absolutely loved it. And I sort of want to rewatch. There's bits that I still really like about it, but it's one of those where you think this would have been better as a short film. Yeah, it was um, It's like a six minute short film before. It does drag on a bit. I wonder if you can really have a really unrelenting, perfect horror film that is longer than like 80, 90 minutes. I still want to do an 80 minute cut of Midsommar. See if I can make a good film out of it. <laughs> Why do you hate this smile so much? There's something annoyed me about the sort of happy ending of Rare Exports, where they say that all the Santas they've caught are worth $16.8 million plus 22% VAT. No, not plus 22% VAT. You don't keep the VAT, you fucking idiots. You give the VAT to the government. You don't keep it. Doesn't matter what the VAT is. If, it, if it's plus 200% VAT. It doesn't matter. Doesn't, doesn't change what Maybe you make. Maybe that was a joke where they actually meant that they weren't paying the VAT, so they got it. It might have been. Have you written them a stern letter yet, Cliff? No, I can't be asked. Uh, Krampus is another one of these ilk. Um, mm -hmm. I found this really disappointing, and I really, really wanted to like it. Because I was just like, yeah, all the weird Central European folklore shit. I love all mm. of that. And I love the fact that you get all the spooky Yule lads and stuff at the end. And the Yule whole idea. Lads. That... <laughs> well, that's, that's what they're actually called. The, um... Really? Icelandic folklore needs to have more movies made about it. Because yeah. you've got the Yule lads who were like cheeky elves that break in your house and fuck shit up. And we you've also got are the, the cheeky elves. We are the cheeky elves. And you've also got the Christmas cat where if your kids are good, it gives them presents. And if they're bad, it just eats them. Nice, cool. nice. So where's that movie? I think someone mentioned earlier there was a film there was too much CGI and too much this and I was like, just wait till we get to Krampus because this film was... Those fucking gingerbread men. It's only, yeah. Yeah, it's only the gingerbread men. I think the... um. The practical effects of everything that's in the attic is yes. incredible. Oh, yes. it's great. I yeah. do think the puppets and the masks are great, yeah. Those bits are good, but it takes too long to get there. It was like it was trying to be, I think, a modern day Gremlins in terms of like, we're going to actually be quite dark and menacing and play with the whole capitalist point of Christmas and sort of send that up and about family mm. tradition and also making a point about Americanizing different cultures. Mm. Yeah, I think that was what they were trying yeah, to do. Yeah, it just didn't go oh, dark enough. And also the fact that the German... Could any, did any of the other actors speak in German back to the grandmother? No. And then at one point no, she talks I in English. No, I understand that. The little boy did at one point. Yeah. At one point they say one thing to her. And then there was one scene where the um, the dad said um, something like... Um, he said, calm down, mum, it's fine. Stop yeah, being said, so you, mental. Calm down, um, don't, don't worry, the degrossen and nonce will not get you. Du bist zu alt, Mutti. Degrossen and nonce wollen sie nicht. Uh, that's very bad German I was glad it wasn't a happy ending I just in some way wish it was even darker I think if it had really gone all out with the darkness at the end it actually would have made the sort of saccharine Americana tweeness of some of the gags a little bit more mm. able to cope with but because no one actually seemed to properly horrifically die I was no and, and, and because of like how wholesome it was I never got the impression that anyone who's dying, even though they do die, I never got the impression they wouldn't just be brought back to life at the end by, yeah, by yeah. the same sort of magic that caused this whole thing to start in the first place. Yeah, which is, which just... is stolen from Mary Poppins, of all things. The film itself, right, I, I like the lad from Parks and Rec. I like the man from Anchorman. I don't care to learn oh, people's names. See, right, this is the thing. I don't watch any of those sort of things, but yeah. it really felt like the sort of American sitcoms that I can't stand 
the, the first oh, half when they're hour all talking it. each other in the same voice yeah exactly and it's all like bang 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 there's something about tony collette's film choices that just makes me really respect her because i feel like she clearly has a really great sense of fun and like actually mm. i thought the way she behaved when the family turned up was really interesting i thought they performed it really well it's interesting how it's subconsciously like it's still really fat shaming it's still really anti the working class republican voter like mm -hmm. there's this sort of sneeriness towards oh they're poor republicans and you're like okay so the rich democrats are gonna sort of sneer on this family that they're having in like i found that was an interesting comment they were making that didn't really give me the satisfactory like punch that i really wanted the posh family were like portrayed as really smug as well though so it works both they ways were smug and they are also all very um neurotic but um yeah, Tony Collette's always great and she does... She does smug and neurotic very well. Also, can we appreciate the grandmother is absolutely useless? The grandmother's oh, like, yeah. I speak in German for when it is necessary that people remember I'm German. But other than that, I will stand in the corner until I'm needed to give clarity to what is occurring. Oh, but now... I will sacrifice myself to the Krampus, which actually in so many ways holds she my is. family back further. It achieves nothing. She's just like, oh yeah. yeah, here's an animated bit about when I was a kid. Wonder and, what uh, she fucking did during the war, eh? Stand aside, say nothing, <laughs> let it happen. <laughs> I really wanted her at one point to say in German, and I'm not going to translate this because I don't know what it is, but something like, I'm only here for exposition. Please ignore me. <laughs> <laughs> but what about when Father Christmas is the victim and the big fur-lined boot is on the other foot? Uh, don't open till Christmas from 1984, a British entry into the Christmas slasher genre. It's, uh, it's mad. It's 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 kind of shit. I love it's it. So shit. It's kind of shit, but it's absolutely intriguing yeah. in a weird kind of way. There's no moments of this that aren't hilarious. Like it's <laughs> so bad that every single delivery of the lines is just brilliant. A couple of gays. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they come in, don't let them see us. They think we're a couple of gays. Well, yeah. A couple of gays? What, what, a man and a woman in the street? Yeah, they're going to go gays. Yeah, but she's, she's dressed as Father Christmas. Well, A, it's 1984, and okay, the police were still a bit dodgy, but they weren't arresting gay men for talking <laughs> no. on the street together. And B, how far into that arrest would it get before they'd go, oh, hang on, actually, one of you's a woman. It's all right. It's maddening, this film. I mean, the very first scene of this film is such a badly shot kill scene that I was fully expecting it to be one of those, oh, it's just a film, they're, they're watching a Yay. film. Someone's, the director's going to call cut and it's all just like... Is that? But no, it's actually the genuine first scene of this film. You don't like the woman in the car being like, um, what, what are you bloody doing? And she's going, yeah. just ignore them. Ignore just him, just yeah. ignore, them. <laughs> ignore the dogger, it's fine. <laughs> Do people in like the 80s not understand like boundaries or anything? Uh, probably the director of this film didn't. No, I wouldn't. No, so. no. And the casting director probably didn't understand the boundary between good actors and bad actors. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just such a mess. But also, I think one of the reasons why I found it intriguing is it's a little bit like it did come out in 1984, but it feels very 70s British exploitation. Yeah, yeah. All, and everything's very grubby, sort of grimy, grotty. The character who felt the most real was the uh the the window glass sexy dancing right sex who becomes the final girl yeah yeah that's so weird she like you don't expect her to be the main character at the end she went straight to the police and she was like legit like this is what i do for a living fuck you find mm -hmm. the killer 
and then she turned out to be fucking awesome and i really liked that because i felt like it was like an actual representative version of of a sex worker who's a savvy person who's just doing it they're normal they're not like on crack they're not this they're not that she's just like a normal young woman who's like i'm just making a bit of money you can take it taken over from her mum yeah yeah. it's her mum's sex window she's just warming yeah, up you know. some people inherit cookware some people inherit sex windows um, <laughs> that's the family sex window it's been in our family for six generations her t-shirt's so weird it says like titty decontracte diffusion no parking what does it mean? I don't know. What does it mean? That, that's fine I've got a t-shirt from Japan that says USA black coffee <laughs> yeah, I think it must be one of those things. There's an actor in it called Pat Astley. She plays Sharon. And uh, in the style of CJ... Postpone facts, postpone facts. So Pat Astley, uh, her previous films included the classic Rosie Dixon Night Nurse, where she played a nurse. Let's Get Laid, Come Play With Me, I'm Not Feeling Myself Tonight. Nymphomania, she played a nurse in that. Um, Dr. Sex, she played a, ner- a dental nurse in that. <laughs> But you know, most famously, sorry, she, she was a dental nurse in that. Yeah, yeah, in Doctor Sex. Uh, yeah, but dentists, are, de- dentists aren't called doctor. I'm not are they, watching that. There's no um, but they well, well, they call Mister. You'd, you'd go to a dentist called Mister Sex, would you? <laughs> this is less post-porny, admittedly, but her most famous role. She was in Are You Being Served as Young Mister Grace's nurse. Yeah, so she nice. had a, typecasting. She was also Rick Astley's mum. No. In real life. <laughs> no, you're quite right. No. <laughs> she wasn't. I think my favourite thing is the dubbing where the punks see the guy on the bike yeah. and you can hear it's none of them. They're all just in one recording studio together and they start going, Start pedalling, Santa. Come on. <laughs> punks are pretty chill people from my experience. Why yeah, are they, they are. harassing him? Well, they're not. They're just encouraging him to pedal. To pedal. <laughs> <laughs> Worried about his fitness. Yeah. Cool. You're looking a bit heavy around the middle, and that's where the risk of diabetes come in. So, you know, start pedaling, Santa. That, that creepy, oh, is it Peloton where people have like a yeah. bicycle in their house and they have like, come on, yeah. feel the burn, Susan, you can do it. <laughs> this, is, this is the 80s version. Pedal faster, Santa. <laughs> I'm going to start playing that scene because I've got like a little exercise bike off group on for 50 quid, but I can't afford a Peloton. So I might just like edit that scene so I can repeat this going, come on, Sunny, you fat cunt. Okay, moving away from Santa based slaughter, uh, we've also been looking at a bunch of films that just happen to be set at Christmas. Uh, There's 1972's Silent Night, Bloody Night, about what is it about? About like some old asylum or something. I loved it. I loved every minute of this film. I honestly think it's one of my favourite films. <laughs> Just to set the scene, like narration, first person narration by the most wooden actress I have ever seen in a film. You think. That's Mary Warrenoff, she's really good. Ne- oh, well, clearly she was practising on this one. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's suddenly this other very wooden actress turns up and then the people who run the village are, all seem to act as if it's in a David Lynch film. Like that whole sequence of events where the lawyer is asking them questions and the journalist is just tugging on a bell. It's not a euphemism. (laughs) I thought the rhythm of it, the weird, like unnecessary, like five seconds on each person after they've spoken in silence before you jump back to them. was. If you're talking about the scene, I I think you mean, um, is that where like someone 
and it's unclear who because the the camera's not on them at the time someone suddenly says something in a really weird voice and <laughs> i've got a clip of it so there's four people i think sitting around this table just having a normal chat blah, 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 and then i was wondering if we get it what then Down. <laughs> what? <laughs> I just absolutely adored this film. I thought it sort of like I really enjoyed it. It was so silly. It was filmed terribly, but I really want to do a live theatrical reenactment of it. Wow. Um, <laughs> it was just sort of a shame that they did this weird flashback where it looks like all the posh people just look like they're from an Otto Dix painting, but then anyone who's from a mental health, or anyone who's mentally ill gets given, like, a shovel and looks as if they've come out of, like, the Italian Renaissance and they were sort of shuffling up to the main house. It just was like, what is going on here? Um, I love that weird Can I just do a little uh, applause break for someone making a reference to an Otto Dix painting. Your art degree has finally paid off, Brian. Two art degrees! I've got a master's, motherfucker! (laughs) Like, I mean, the film is an absolute piece of dog shit, Mm. but I had a wonderful time drinking to it. Yeah, I I liked it. Um, It's a perfect sort of midnight movie sort of thing. It's bullshit. It's really lethargic, but sometimes you just, like, soak up a weird atmosphere. And yeah, I think uh, Mary Warrenov and James Patterson, is it? Uh, they play it just right. They're half asleep all the way through it. The way they say their lines. Would you like dinner? I bought you a bologna sandwich. Would you like to sit down? We should sell this house. <laughs> have you got a phone? I do not have a phone. It's <laughs> <laughs> exactly it. Exactly it. But can you do an impression yeah. of that person in that meeting earlier? <laughs> all the people that are doing the Otto Dix cosplay and in fact the whole kind of general vibe of this movie they're a lot of them are Andy Warhol superstars so they were like kind of random stoner people that he put in his oh, fucking strange cool. experimental That's films awesome. oh really okay and um, one of the glamorous ladies doing the Otto Dix cosplay is um, Candy Darling who is referenced in Walk on the Wild oh Tonight. no way oh. I fell asleep during this because I was like it's boring goodbye and then wake up with my laptop just like on the floor and went, well, I guess that was shit. So I might, I guess I'll have to rewatch this. You have to be then. the right level of half asleep, I think. But it is quite compelling. Right, let's leave that there. I can't even talk about my favourite scene where the man gets his jumper stuck to his head before they have a sex scene. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm>... <laughs> oh, that bit. It is a bit awkward. What have you got to say about that, Luke? There's a scene with a man who got his jumper stuck to his head during a sex scene. Yeah, and then he turns around and the blanket the woman had on top of her has changed to a different blanket. I was very annoyed with that continuity. Um, Stalled is one of my favourites. Fuck's sake. Another British one. But it's a zombie film. Zombies. Yeah. Uh, So, so into this. And then the twist came and the twist is shit. Oh no, she fat. That's the twist. The twist is she's fat. I was so pissed off at this film because they did such a good job with a small set, a small story, fucking zombies in Christmas costumes, hilarious, wonderful. The guy was a bit annoying. Um, (gasps) Oh! Dan Palmer is a comedy genius who is totally underrated. I've never found him funny. No, I love him. And then it was like, oh, for fuck's sake, the twist is she's fat. Yeah, I was enjoying it up to a point, and then it just got really lame and really basic and really, ooh, lads. When you've been watching, when you've invested so much into this film, you've invested like an hour of your time into this film, 
And then it's like, she won't come with you because she's fat. Yeah, she's literally like, I'm going to run into the zombies because I'm so fat and I don't deserve to live. I'm a size 18. Why don't I just kill myself? And he was just like, it's funny that I fell in love with someone who's fat. That's weird, isn't it? Anyway, bye. The worst thing about it from that point of view is that um, they got some beautiful model to do the voice of the fat woman. Yeah, it's like you can't even hear the overweight lady talk. I've never really enjoyed this film. Um, Like, there's a few points that make me laugh, and I think it's a little bit of fun, but there's a lot of horrible continuity throughout as well. Like, just from being filmed in one location, it's quite messy with how it does certain things. Uh, I look at too much of films when they're in one location and <laughs> set in a film just in one toilet <laughs> cubicle. I was like, oh, these things in this toilet are different the whole way through. Um, I think it, it doesn't outstay its welcome. That's the good thing about it. It's being only 84 minutes long. I think that works. Did you say 48? 84 minutes. 84, yeah. oh, good. Did I say 48? I, th- I think you did. Yeah, I might be wrong. No, you said 84. Yeah. Okay. 84 minutes. 84. <laughs> what dyslexic ears. <laughs> <laughs> He's got dyslexic. <laughs> Talking of dubious attitudes towards women, P2 uh, from 2007, Frank Calhoun's film about what's his name? Wesley. Um, Wes Bentley. Bentley. Wes Bentley trapping a woman in an empty car park. Yeah, I love this. This is amazing. It's very good, but it, this one also really, really unsettled me, and I don't think I could sit mm. through it again. I enjoy this one. Um, Wes Bentley is great. Um, it's another one where I looked at the things too much because I felt it weird that there wasn't that many fire exits. <laughs> That's, I don't know why. That's the thing I looked at the most. I was like, there's hardly any fire Were there fire enough exits. toilets for the number of people in the building? Yeah, there yeah. Was, wasn't many fire exits and the security was pretty crap. Did they have the correct signage? It was. It was terrible considering the size of the building. You need two on for health and safety. Yeah. Yeah. The scene that I still think is like unexpected is the um, man getting crushed by the car. Yeah, oh, that so scene good. is so good. So yeah. good. Sticking with the grimmer ones, uh, Night Train Murders, a nice Italian one from '74. Is this Last House on the Left Train? Yes, yeah, Last House on the Left Train. I was sat there the whole time going, "It's Christmas. I could just be watching Polar Express, but I'm watching fucking <laughs> Rape Train to Nowhere." Hey, if I'm going to watch a Christmas rape train, I want to watch Trading Places where it's a fake gorilla. <laughs> I hated this film so much. There's a lot that I hated about it, but it also, I could see it was well made and it, it had that kind of grimy, horrible, gets under your skin thing. Yeah. I loved the outfits, which is usually my thing that makes everything mm. sage, but I fucking hated this film because it was so brutal. It was literally like, oh, here's two teenagers, they're on a train, they're going to get fucked up. I think one of the scariest bits is that you realise they're not even on the late night train yet. No. It's not until... No. They get on the second one, yeah. Get the second one, is like, oh, fuck, now it's going to happen. Oh, shit. It's, it's horrible. It's really, it's a really horrible film. There's a character who's a well-presented woman who'd think would uh, probably help. She joins in. She, mm-hmm. she encourages. She's orchestrating it. She's orchestrating, which makes it even more horrific. Yeah. Let's find out, though. Uh, Luke, was there any continuity issues with, say, the toilet paper in the train toilet? Um, so the door in the middle of the train. Isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I love the film, but then I love like really horrible stuff. So what, can, what can I say? On a lighter note, maybe um, await further instructions from 2018. Oh, so disappointed by this. I like the premise. Did not like the execution at all. Why? Uh, the acting was clunky. Not all of it, but the characters were too cliched. 
And the ending was too grim. They went as far as turning the dad into the kind of whatever the eldritch horror is made out of cables, which is, again, quite a cool idea. Ooh, and then everywhere is all covered in spooky cables. The end is just... I actually think the wooden acting works in its favour because it's like they're pawns in some sort of morality play. He's not going for social realism, is he? No, hey. but I, in that case, if they were going to do that, the writing needs to be stronger. They're tackling all these like hard-nosed issues. Because this was released, what, like last year or something? Like You can't release something in 2019, 2020 in a pansy fucking way. If you're going to do something about a race about that, you need to fucking do it head on. Like, look at um, look at his house. Yeah, his house is a much classier film, obviously. But yeah. um, I, which I, is what they were trying to do with uh, await further instructions, but like a more like soul, like oh, this is our British thing to do. But it's like there's. Uh, is that great... your your impression of a British person now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> International impressions tonight. Well, hello, I'm a white person. I'm just going to do that. But if you have the platform to make a film about racism about acceptance within the British community and you've got the luxury of being given this fucking huge platform of cinema screens to the nation well then video on demand you... well video on demand One ninety nine. what year is it meant to be set in with that TV they have oh that's a good point I mean it's obviously present day isn't it because Brexit yeah but um mm. But yeah, I suppose it wouldn't really work if they had flat screen TVs. <laughs> no. Well, fucking like Chromecast or something. Like, imagine you just like Chromecast, you're watching Seinfeld, and the whole neighborhood is like, oh, and you're like, dang, What? No. Is that you doing the slap face from Seinfeld? Yeah. I don't know what that is. Was that not accurate? No, that was very accurate. That was accurate. I know what you were doing. I just don't understand why. Was like, oh, I've got tubes in my mouth, and you're just like wandering around the house going, Why would you be doing that? Because you're so chuffed with the fact that you've like outlived all these fuckers. I think that I would watch that movie. It's just doing that for hours, meanwhile there's scenes of yeah, yeah, yeah. outside and everyone else. And occasionally I think we're like uh, would like would lock for your letterbox and they'd be like, I want your info and we're like, no, Yeah, okay. That brings us on to our second feature from nineteen seventy-four. It's Bob Clark's Black Christmas. Remember those idyllic scenes out of your childhood? <laughs> Crisp winter nights, star bright. Sleigh bells, crackling yule logs, candlelight glistening off of shimmering Christmas trees, chestnuts roasting over open fires, carolers beneath snow-covered window ledges. Remember those. Remember them well. After Black Christmas, they'll never be the same again. Black Christmas, starring Olivia Hussey, Keir Dulay, Margot Kidder, and starring John Saxon as Lieutenant Fuller. If this movie doesn't make your skin crawl, it's on too tight. (laughs) I think he was straining for a shit all the way through that. I want that trailer to be um, redone by John Cooper Clark. Do you remember the Christmas traditions? Crackling sounds and other stuff and I'm quite old now and look at the back of my head it's quite bald John Cooper Clark has always looked like that though 
I know. I met him um, a couple of years ago at Latitude. I reckon he went to the orphanage in Silent Night, Deadly Night when he was 17. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't aged since. Oh, mate. It was amazing because I was like, oh, what a fucking icon. I get to go meet JCC. And I went into his uh, his dressing room and I was like, hello, I'm Brian. I'm the tech for this show and whatnot. And they're all poets, so we all knew each other. And you went, hello, Brian. My name is John Cooper Clark. And I was like, that's exactly <laughs> how I expected that to be delivered. Well, the students at a sorority house are worried about some very strange, obscene phone calls. They're unaware that one of their number is sitting dead in the attic with a plastic bag over her head. Black Christmas is a masterpiece. It's a classic. It is. It's very hard for me to watch a film from a, such a distinctive period of time that is long past. And that will still make me scared when I finish watching it because there's so much distance between then and now. But Black Christmas still has the effect that when I finish watching it, especially that final shot, I do get shivers and I do feel uneasy. And I think it is because it does absolutely crawl in to that space in your mind, especially as a young woman or any woman of any age of that threat that does exist constantly of that sort of all seeing perverse peeping tom eye that we have no control or awareness of if it exists and the fact that it all goes so wrong and it is such a tragedy of epic proportions and it's so harrowing because like slasher films you always know that you know they're gonna die this person's gonna die this person's dies this is gonna die but this because they're all women and they're all so distinctive and different and they're in such an environment which would be deemed to be the safest place. Did it come out at a similar time of, you know, the Ted Bundy sorority murders when Ooh. those girls were all killed? I wonder what the time period or what the overlap. Ah, that's a good question. Um, Ted Bundy did... Murders. Uh, he did do murders. Well, yeah, it started <laughs> in 74. Um, yeah. Yeah, January. So, yes. That's really weird because I watched a couple of documentaries about Black Christmas this morning. They didn't mention Ted Bundy at all. You'd think that... That would have been a key thing, but yeah. It's almost like the studios are exploiting a fear. What I really like about it is it's so unusual, just as a way it tells its story. As a sort of uh, mystery, there's no resolution. As a detective story, it's full of really unhelpful people, unhelpful witnesses. Like, what's all that business with Barb uh, giving the phone number as, like, fellatio, whatever, you know? It's so unhelpful. It's because Barb is a cheeky Yule lad. That's why she does it. But it makes the thing much more realistic and chilling. Mm -hmm. They never find the first fucking victim. They never find the second victim either. No. It's weird. It's chilling. And that's what makes it such a magical film, I think. Mm -hmm. It's one of the few films I've watched, uh, other than like some really horrific ones, where I've sat there and gone, there's nothing I can do. And usually I'm like, oh, it's a film, so there's nothing you can do. But like you're sat there going, there's nothing they can do. There's nothing I can do. It's, it's hopeless. It's a hopeless situation. And um, it's it's sad. More than anything. It's so sad because all, all those characters, they're really cool girls. The characters are so alive, and I, I love, like, oh, Barb is awesome. She's and, so, she's mm. amazing. Yeah, yeah, and some of like, the minor characters, they're just like, they bicker, but they all really support each other. They're a little bit dorky, but they're, oh, they're adorable, and like, yeah. I'd love to have that kind of girl in my friendship group. Like, bad, bad, bad. It's like, but there's fuck all you can do, and they're going to die. They've all been given things to play with, like, mm. they've all got something else they're not totally two-dimensional like there's so much that you see like there's issues about class and sexual yeah, yeah. identity like all these really fascinating things but the truth mm -hmm. is 
it doesn't matter because if yeah. you are going to be ignored by the police and nobody's going to take you seriously and people don't research properly, then it's sort of the frightening thing is it's redundant. Yeah. You are just a body. A film I found myself comparing this to favourably, obviously, was uh, Sorority Row, the remake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In Sorority Road, like, none of the characters are defined or, you know, interesting. And you just kind of like, go, go like, yeah, kill yeah. them. Whereas in this film, like, you're, you're so sympathetic to every single member of that sorority, which is so yeah. rare in a horror film. Do you think it's a sad film, Luke? Um, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not asking if it made you cry. I'm not... Luke, you've got three women staring at you intently going, is it a sad film? <laughs> it's a sad film, though, isn't it? You Luke? better say it's sad. I think the whole side story of the abortion like that's quite heavy in there as well that's like one thing that i think makes this work that it isn't just completely a slasher it's showing everything that the characters are dealing with inside the house oh yeah well. yeah it's, it's one of the few college slasher films where you actually get the impression that they care about their studies and their careers and stuff like mm-hmm. that rather than just you know at no point does anyone go do you want a beer do you want a beer? Do you want a beer? Yeah, no one, no one gets no a red solo cops. Yeah. yeah, it's almost like young people are people. All right, now it's time to gather around the tree for the last time this year and unwrap some scary blouses. I mean, scary noises. <laughs> So the way this works, I'm going to play six pairs of audio clips from horror films. One half of each pair will be from a Christmas horror film. And you have to identify what it is. Just buzzing when you know. Uh, Elf, what is your noise you're going to make? Brum, 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 brum. Brum, brum, brum. Brilliant. Uh, you're on a team with Bryony. And it's Luke and Emily against you. So here's your first pair of scary noises. Hey, Santa. Santa, you, you better sober up. you got a long night ahead of you. remember what Santa Claus does on Christmas Eve. Yes, Brian Eight. It's Omen or some shit. It is the Omen or some shit. Yeah, it's the music. Yeah. And did you get um, the dialogue? It's, it, the dialogue is... Is it Silent Night Deadly? It's the one with the yeah. Santa Claus that's that kills good. everybody. It was Silent Night Deadly Night. Yeah, yes, I'll give you Yay! that. So you start off with a bonus points. That's three points on, already. Did you, did you not hear I, I, I've mastered a, a carol on my automaton? Yeah, you mastered that. Aww. Right, yeah. number two. What is your mission? <laughs> no, we're twins. Simon's twins. That's funny. You look boring. <laughs> yes, Emily. Uh, the music is uh, Deadly Games, a.k.a. Dial Code Santa Claus. Yep. Dialogue? I don't know. They said, what is he, a little person? And that's that's all I heard. Oh, that's very correct. Is it Leprechaun? <laughs> <laughs> it's not a leprechaun, no. Uh, Bryony and Elf, can you figure out the dialogue? What is your mission? <laughs> no, we're twins. Sammy's twins. That's funny. You don't look boring. It's a basket case. It is a basket case. Someone have to somebody is surrendering. No, he's deformed. <laughs> oh, is it basket case? What's basket case? I've already said it. No, yeah, I just I couldn't I couldn't hear hear the eye of the tiger rip off music and then I just heard you go. I got it right. Number three. Possible revenge killing. I killed. Hey Frankie, I'm convinced I saw her in that film. Are you sure it wasn't just a run of the mill pornographic film? You can't get that kind of simulation from a professional actor. Anyway, I'm interested in doing a story on it. 
Well, I think it could be very dangerous, Emmanuel. I hope you know what you're in for. <laughs> After all the things that have happened to me, I've always managed to come back. Nothing? Absolutely no idea. Uh, dirty Dancing? The music was Saint. Right. And oh, right. the dialogue was Emmanuel in America. Not seen either of those, but I'm sure yeah, they're fantastic. I, I wish them all the best. Good. <laughs> is that a horror film or is that yeah, just... Yeah, it's a porno horror film, yeah. It's Laura Gemsworth's Black Emmanuel. She comes across as, um, among other things, a uh, snuff film. Is it one of uh, Cliff's weird sex films that he makes us it's... watch occasionally? Yeah, it's an Italian it's, sex yeah. film, yeah. Uh, number four. What is it? What's wrong? So that's Luke. Oh, I don't know if I've got it right. Was the dialogue Black Christmas? Nope. It wasn't. Ah. I'm going to guess the music stalled? No. The dialogue's from Death House. It was, yes. Yeah, and the music, I can get this, but it's going to take me a little bell, but I want you to play it because it's fucking brilliant. What is it? What's wrong? He's gone. Won't you come? Okay, okay. Now you stay put in that house. I'll wait for you. Please, hurry. I, I'm afraid. Now take it easy. I'm coming. Is it cats? The visitor or the traveller or the... No, it's not that, no. No, but, but, but it's basically, it's the film with the stairs and you have no, the it's same not. stairs. No, you're thinking of not? the visitor. You're thinking of the visitor. It's not, it's Tenebrae. Oh, for fuck's sake. Uh, <sighs> so music was Tenebrae. The dialogue was Death House, a.k.a. Silent Night, Bloody Night. Here's number five. You know, now we know that zombies are real. I wonder if other stuff's real too. What like Oh, right, that's uh, Emily first. The dialogue is stalled. Yes. And the music? Don't know, something dramatic, 70s, 80s-ish. Um, Paul Blart, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> Brian and Elf, can you get the music? You know, now we know that zombies are real, I wonder if other stuff's real too. What, like? Oh, I don't know, you like Frankensteins or Pikachus or... Dinosaur. You want to make another bet? <laughs> Fuck you. Are you okay? Pain. Krampus? Krampus, no, no, it was The Witches of Eastwick. Uh. Uh, there's one more to go, and it's currently 5 2 to Brian and Elf. Here's the last pair. Some people have tried to make the connection between uh, death and my film, um, which is obviously ridiculous. It's just easier to kill yourself in, in water, you know, to do it in a... Friday? It's Elf's film, isn't it? It is. It's a little more flesh. It is, is a little the, more flesh. Dialogue, yeah. I'd put that in especially for you. That's not fair. Well, they're ahead anyway. And the music? Black Christmas. Uh, it's not Black Christmas, Luke and Emily. Some people have tried to make the connection between uh, death and my film, um, which is obviously ridiculous. It's just easier to kill yourself in, in water, you know, to do it in a bath, not a swimming pool. So, um, is it Christmas Eve? Yeah, it's just, it is Christmas Eve, yes. Yeah, as usual. So, final score. Uh, as far there. as I know. Five, three to Brian and Elf. Well done. Right, Elf, I know you have to leave us now, sadly, but thanks for joining us this month. It's been a delight. Thank you so much for having me and me letting me be a part of your gang. 
Wicked. Do you want to come back and do it again next month? Yeah, yeah wicked. Love you all lots. Have a lovely, happy new year and lovely rest of Thanks your Christmases, Al. guys. Bye. Thank Bye. you. Now, as is traditional at the end of each December episode, before we go, we're going to quickly run through our highs and lows of the year's new horror releases. Um, Bryony. Yo. Uh, low is the babysitter killer queen. Fuck that fucking film. It's shit. Okay. All right. Terrible. Yep. Absolute dog shit. Um, absolute dog shit. High spiral was good, I guess. Emily, um, I'm gonna go the two highest thing again. I'm afraid, with the caveat that I've not yet seen his house or indeed is it oh, Possessor, the one by Cronenberg sorry. Jr. I've just remembered his house is very good. So that's <laughs> my ever high. That's my ever high. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Uh, my main high is Saint Maud. Thought that was great. Awesome. Yeah. That ticked, that ticked all my um art housey horror boxes Definitely. and the other one this is an incredibly basic choice but um i really liked it and that's host the zoom horror yeah the zoom horror yeah 21st century ghost watch which may be slightly hyperbole but i thought it was a neat brilliant little bit of um unsettlingness Luke. is that a thing don't know anyway my worst is gonna be Blackwater abyss okay. um, home and away with crocodiles um it's just very bad and has really stupid characters making decisions like when they hear a crocodile's in the water they decide oh let me have a little closer look let me have shine my torch and bend over to look into the water and i think we all know what happens there so uh-huh. that's that's my low and um high is uh, the invisible man actual blumhouse's good release this yeah. year that they yeah. did um I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, changes up what the sort of the original film did, and Liwana was proving himself as a very good horror director now. Indeed, yes, right, okay. So uh, my high was going to be his house, and then because Bryony took his house, uh, it was going to be the Invisible Man. But because Luke <laughs> took the Invisible Man, I'm going to go with uh, the Golden Glove, uh, which is a uh, German film about a serial killer. It's a true crime thing. It's horrible. It's really gruesome and quite funny and horrible but mainly funny and horrible uh, and my low is a colombian film called the banished okay caliban which i only watched because fiona horse is in it it's just awful it's got a small cast three different timelines two levels of flashback um only gets around to the actual point in the third flashback so the entire first hour is completely redundant is it based on shakespeare because it's called caliban no, not at all. Um, no, fuck that then. Why would you? <laughs> um, it, it was a bit that made me laugh, though, where um, they tried to set one scene in London, so you get Fiona Horsey, which is the only reason I watched the film, uh, and the woman playing her daughter eating scones and talking about a band called The Buggeroffs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My favourite band. They've got one song called Keep Peddling Santa. <laughs> <laughs> Keep Peddling Santa. And with that... That's almost us done for the year. Coming up in January, we're doing an episode on sea monsters. Luke, you've chosen Piranha 3D as one of our features. Uh, And the winners of Scary Noises get to choose the other one, of course, the winners being Bryony and Elf. So, Bryony, choose a sea monster film if you can. Deep Rising. Deep Rising. Okay, Uh, so Piranha 3D and Deep Rising next month. Until then, from all of us, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and thanks for listening. (laughs) 